the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So good to have you with us on a Friday afternoon. Looking forward to a good weekend. Oh, some resolution for you, Aubrey, by the way. Oh, what? What? So Saturday, tomorrow, uh, we have um, some of Carrie's family is coming over to our house uh, because Carrie's brother and sister-in-law and my nieces who now live, they moved from Chicago out to Long Island, New York. So they're coming back. They were supposed to come back around New Year's, but Southwest Airlines, all of that stuff yes, blew it up. Right, right. So long way of saying they're coming in this weekend and we're hosting everybody for like a little bit of a late family Christmas party oh, nice. at our house. How fun. Because my brother-in-law and sister-in-law who normally host are out of town for the weekend. Gotcha, so gotcha. that is the setup. So my wife and I have come to a truce. We've come to an understanding. And? Christmas, Christmas tree staying up through the family party on Saturday. Okay. Okay. And then Carrie is good with it coming down. Wow. Wow. You, are you, I'm proud of you, Brian. You've really sacrificed a lot for your <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you for honoring her. Thank I, you for honoring Christmas. So I appreciate wow. all the thoughts and prayers of everybody <laughs> as I've struggled with this. But they're going to leave. I might be outside in the dark at like 10 o'clock on Saturday pulling You're Christmas like, lights down. <laughs> so I thought you were going to tell me it was coming down before the party. But it makes no. sense if it's a late Christmas event that you would want it to still feel Christmas. Now, will your daughter come back from college for this? No, she can't. Okay. She she okay. was back up. You yeah. know, she went back just last weekend. Yeah. And okay. so uh, she will not be back, but it's fun. It, it will be a fun night. I actually night. thought to myself uh, today that I might start pulling out some Valentine's decorations and start getting the house <laughs> ready for Valentine's. <laughs> I love that you still decorate for Valentine's. I, I did know. make the joke to my wife that we're getting dangerously close to this Christmas tree becoming a Valentine's tree. Yeah, place the ornaments with hearts and stuff it's a cute idea you could do it this is why we need to go i have a fake tree but i'm saying if for this reason we should probably uh, culturally go back to real trees because your tree will die and become a fire a hazard. timeline there's a built-in timeline yeah, <laughs> yes there is yes sense. there is so i know many of you have been waiting with bated breath about what is the resolution in the from house with the christmas <laughs> decorations they come down uh this weekend so uh yes i'm very excited for that i do feel like after uh almost 20 23 years of marriage. My anniversary, by the way, is next Sunday. Next oh, Sunday. Yay, Not this one. Almost the anniversary. Next a week Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. That's right. And my kids are going to be on a, a on a youth group retreat. So I took the Sunday off from preaching and we're just going to celebrate all weekend. Oh, like, uh, awesome. Good for you. Yeah. For no you. children. So we'll be uh, looking forward to it. All right. Speaking of children, Aubrey, yes. uh, do you remember the story we did? I don't I don't know if I did it with you or with somebody else, but uh, the Seattle school district is suing 
TikTok and Meta, which is Facebook, Instagram, right? That's their kind of parent yeah, company. Right. For allegedly wreaking mental health crisis oh, among dang. students. I don't so know if I you've heard this story. I saw this story, but you and I didn't talk about it. So go, go ahead and recap. Yeah, I might have done this one with uh, Kelly Flanagan earlier mm-hmm. in the week. But what they're doing, the Seattle School District is suing the social media uh, platforms, companies mm-hmm. saying you are directly responsible for the mental health crisis that we're seeing in our students. And therefore, you're responsible for the fact that we've had to hire more staff, do more training, uh, do all sorts of different things to deal with the mental health crisis that you have have brought upon us. Wow. So uh, what do you think about somebody putting responsibility for kids' mental health on these companies? I actually, when I first saw this story, I was like, it is about time somebody did this because we're all seeing the research. We're all seeing the statistics. We're all seeing how social media is leading to devastating results in our kids. Now, I will say, I don't think that takes parents off the hook. Like, I right. still think parents are the primary caregivers and it's up to parents to go, well, you can't, you shouldn't be on it or you shouldn't mm. be on it the way you're on it as often as you're on it. But I don't think... I am not someone who would say the corporations are not responsible because they are like, especially because what we know from some of the whistleblowing activities, when was that a year ago, two years ago, we know that they are aware of the damage that they're causing. And so the fact that in good conscience, they're going forward, allowing some of this material to go online. I'm like, yeah, I, down with the man. Like, let's do it. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. I, you uh- know. I'm also one who believes that sin is not just personal, it's corporate, it's systemic. Mm. And so that for me, that's part of why I can get behind this. Like, yeah, let's call them to task. Even if nothing happens, let's call them to task publicly and see if the public reacts to it, see if people make changes. And again, I am balancing that with I still believe parents are the primary ones responsible for their teenagers. Online. Yeah, uh, the uh, the lawsuit specifically highlights the fact that that account that the algorithms of TikTok, Instagram and stuff uh, have been shown to promote pro eating disorder sites that and accounts that then uh, once these get in the hands and the algorithms of particularly teenage girls, it just we know what that does like that goes crazy. We've seen the damage. Uh, The lawsuit also says Uh, When it comes to mental health issues such as anxiety and depression have ballooned from 2009 to 2019 by 30 percent. And so uh, I would say this, Aubrey, uh, and I said this earlier in the week when discussing this. I don't think this lawsuit really probably ends up going anywhere. I could be wrong. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a few credit shy of my law degree, as they (laughs) like to say. Uh, I don't not sure it goes anywhere. I think it's trying to make a point. I actually don't think that they should be held liable in the end, but I think it highlights the fact of this. If you think out there, parents, that social media is neutral, you are you are sadly, sadly mistaken. And yeah, you're your deceived kids, if you think that. And yeah. I think we've even had people on this show before, Brian, who have said social media is neutral. It just depends on how you use it. That's not the truth. Social media is not neutral. Now you can have discernment and wisdom in how you use it and you should, 
But you should do that knowing it absolutely is driving an agenda. Yep, yep. Go uh, go watch The Social Dilemma. Yes. That will get you going. Yes. Go research, uh, Google the word algorithm and yeah. see what comes up. So, Aubrey, what is the parents' role? Obviously, you and I agree the parents are the primary yes. um people who should be dealing with mental health issues, social media, all of this stuff for our kids, especially as they're younger and getting into their young to mid teenage years. But what does that look like either in your house or just in general? What's what, what is our advice to parents, grandparents out there Mm -hmm. in how to navigate this? I'll actually share, I won't go into this in much detail, but I'll share, share some mistakes we've made and some lessons we've learned. We have one son who got way too pulled into some online relationships because Kevin and I were not paying enough attention. We assumed a lot of trust that we shouldn't have. And um, it wasn't that he was doing anything wrong. It's that he's a vulnerable young man Mm. who wants to experience belonging and found that in a place he shouldn't have online. And so that, by the grace of God, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, like, you better find out what your son's doing online. And, <laughs> Is that uh, how you hear the Holy Spirit? Yes, Is that the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit voice? Said, you girl, you better do something about that. <laughs> um, and so we have just done, a, since that, a few years ago, we have done a lot to just be better at monitoring, make sure our kids are not on certain platforms. If they are, they know the consequences. And social media use happens in public. They can only be friends with people they know in real life. Like we've got, we've established quite a few boundaries around when they can be on it, how they can be on it, who they can be connected to. Now, you know this as well as I do, Brian, we can't police everything. We just can't. And so some of it is like our kids are going to learn from their mistakes. And some of those mistakes are going to be big. And some of those mistakes aren't going to be. But we do the best we can as parents. And also just in all, it's not just setting rules it's like loving them and creating a space of belonging in our life in our church in our community so that they know real life connection more than they know online connection yeah much like we had to uh, eventually our kids like you said have to learn from their own mistakes learn from this it's just that the stakes feel so much higher they feel so much higher than when you and i were kids and we could like make our mistakes and nobody else knew about them or just our parents (laughs) knew about them totally you've got to know what your kids are doing with their phones you've got to put the parameters up there carrie and i were just talking about this because here's the other thing aubrey i'll end with this this is an ongoing conversation it's not like you you go, here's the parameters, and we're done with this. Our family right. has now dealt with social media. <laughs> we have it solved. Right. Yeah, and lead by example, I would say that mm, as well. But know that your kids, uh, that our teenagers are having mental health it's a pan, it's an epidemic. It's a it's crisis an right yeah. now yeah. that is being driven by these social media sites, and we have to be honest about it. All right, coming up next, Aubrey, are you ready to laugh? I'm going to tell you a joke, and I read this joke, and I am confident that this dad joke is going to make you laugh. I can't wait. I'm putting that out there. I feel like it's all about your delivery, Brian, so we'll see how uh, you deliver it. I've been practicing. I'm ready for this. Okay. Okay. uh, And then we're going to talk about Mm. decision-making. What does decision fatigue look like? But before that, I'm going to tell Aubrey a joke next, and I'm confident (laughs) she's going to laugh. We're going to do that here on The Common Good. (laughs) AM 1160, hope for your life. The 
Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. We like to tackle a lot of difficult subjects here. We just finished talking about our teenagers' mental health. That's a big deal. We're about to talk about decision-making and decision fatigue. Later on, I want to tell you a story of something in my life that just created all this anxiety the other day, and I want to just kind of share that. But, Aubrey, we also like to laugh on this show. We're going to do a top five list later in the the day. That's what we do on Fridays. But another way that we like to laugh on the show is that I find the worst dad jokes in the world. And I'm confident that Aubrey will laugh at them. Yeah. It's, and Aubrey, you, you make me laugh pretty consistently. I think I found the dad joke of all you dad probably, jokes the other you day. built this thing up. So this better be good, Ryan. Here's, how, here's what I would say. When I read this one, I audibly laughed. And that does not <laughs> normally happen. It does not right. normally happen. So. Okay. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I did Love set this up purposefully. I wanted to set the bar high. You have set the bar really high. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> this is dad joke for the day. Okay. Aubrey. <laughs> I got you already. I'm already laughing. So Sylvester Stallone said he wants to make a movie about classical music. He says, I will be Beethoven. Jean-Claude Van Damme says, okay, I'll be Mozart. Arnold Schwarzenegger says, I'll be Bach. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Oh, man, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Only pretty good? I, I love like, that where one. Where is this going? It's going I'll, be I'll be Bach. I'll be Bach. I'll be back. That's good. People need to know their classical music if they're going to get that joke. Yeah, that's true. That's a, kind of an academic joke. Like you You're have welcome. To think, you have to have a high intellect for that, for that one. I'll be back. By the way, you and that's I haven't good. been. We haven't been together much this week. I didn't tell you. This is very random. I just happened to see a picture of it. Last week when my daughter was home, we did all sorts of like fun. We didn't go anywhere. So we went. Yeah. yeah we went to a Blackhawks game. We went yeah. to out to dinner. We did a, an escape yeah. room. Uh, we went roller skating. No uh, way. On New Year's family? Eve. Did you yes. go on roller skates? Yes. Okay, and it's all, amazing. this place was packed with little kids. And here's my, <laughs> my son is like bigger than me. We're roller skating. It was very funny. Uh, but then last Friday, you ready for what we did? Yeah, ready. We went to Costco, ate awesome. lunch there for cheap, and then played hide and seek in the Costco. <laughs> You're the best family ever. Are you kidding me? No. All your family did that? Brian, yes. you win a dad award for that. That is it was, it was borderline awkward, but it was really were fun. You, were you like grocery shopping or were you just like, hey, let's just well, hide and seek? It was meant to be lunch and hide and go seek. A cart a cart ended up being filled yeah, by my yeah. wife and daughter for her dorm room, but uh that was okay. not the intention. But it was probably went, their intention. You went for lunch and hide and seek. Yes. Okay. This is the best story i've ever heard in my life it was wow. really fun it good was job, really Dad. fun good so, job i love that good job. i just happened to be going through my phone to read that that uh that joke and i saw the picture of me me finding my daughters and them looking all angry <laughs> i need you to text it to me please i would like to see that in costco okay uh all right aubrey decision making oh. and and i i was thinking about this the other day uh, I read an article about the concept of decision fatigue mm. when you're just worn out making yes. decisions. Let's talk in general. Are you this sound pretty, might sound weird to some people, but are you good at making decisions? I would have said that until the past three weeks, and I've just been going through a hard season, and I have not been I have not been able to make decisions for the life of me. I mean, I'm is that right? You. Like, I have had to say to many people, 
I don't know you decide and tell me what to do. And I mm. mean, I mean that like my, my brain does not work generally yeah. outside of harder seasons. I actually think I'm pretty good at making decisions and like, just like, like, especially let's, the example that comes to mind is a group of girlfriends are trying to decide where to go to dinner and everyone's like, whoa, 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 what about this? Blah, blah. And I'm like, here's where we're going. Let's go. You know, like, I, cause I just get impatient. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Um, what about you? Are you a decision maker or not? So before I answer that, I would say, I think you make a good, an, an important point that there will be seasons of life mm-hmm. where you got to give yourself grace. Yeah. Uh, Decision making, uh, cleaning your house, uh, right. showering, <laughs> whatever right. else it might be. Right. There, there come times of life where, you know, you just, you just have to be show yourself some grace yeah. and show yourself yeah. some grace. Yeah. I am not a good decision maker. Uh, I am. Uh, I think I do pretty well in our family because mm-hmm. I kind of know where I want our family to go. I know yeah. I've told you before I could be. I'm an overthinker oh, when it comes right. to decisions. You have told me that. Yeah. I'm an overthinker. I'm an overanalyzer. Uh, I like to look at every angle and then look at every angle again and then look at every angle again. Yeah. Uh, and it can become, uh, what's the old saying? Paralysis by analysis. Right. It's just going, gosh, right. come on. And therefore, when people who are more quick movers around you you really frustrate them. Like that's, they're like, Mm -hmm. just do something. Whereas people who, you know, uh, I, I used to, one of my, uh, one of the pastors I used to work for, uh, he used to describe, I think he's grown out of this, but he used to say he was uh, ready, fire, aim. Yeah, (laughs) I, I feel like Kevin's, although he's grown out of this a lot, but early on in his leadership, he was ready, fire, aim, or like building the airplane while it's flying. You know, that's another way to say that. Like I, you know, it's interesting because I do think of myself as a pretty good decision maker. I definitely don't overanalyze. However, I am big like on strengths finder input is one of mine. And I like, I really like to double check my decisions with other people. What do you think if I make this decision? Yes. What, give me some feedback on this. Like that's very important to me. I don't, sometimes I think it's that I don't trust my own decisions or like you're saying, have I, because I know I don't analyze every single angle. I'm like, want to be aware of the ones I've missed. And so I do tend to like need someone else to tell me that's a good decision. You that's right. Made a good decision. I it, sometimes it gets highlighted for me this way. Uh, I was telling you off air. I uh, had a great lunch. I call you know lunch meeting sounds way too formal. I had a lunch yeah. yesterday yeah. with a mutual friend of ours. You had a lunch date. Yes, another pastor, <laughs> and uh, it, it was really it was wonderful, and he was really helpful. Our church is facing some major decisions in the next year, and I was telling him about them. And he goes, I hope you don't mind me doing this. And he started going, you should do this. If I were you, I would do this. If I were you, I would do this. And I'm sitting there going, man, this guy's brain works differently than mine. Because I'm like, "Mm, we could do this. Let's talk about it at next week's elder meeting. Uh And then the following elder meeting, we should revisit this. And then we, and there's value in both. But I guess what I want to get at is... Uh, particularly people who have trouble with decisions, whether it's yeah. personal decisions, whether it's work decisions, family, whatever else it might be. How, so the ready, fire, aim is not helpful. But I can be I've described myself as like ready, aim, aim again, 
fix the you know check the check the gun again aim again <laughs> aim and finally you fire and everyone's like that deer left a long time ago right you missed the deer yeah so what do you do as particularly for people who get uh, uncertain about decision making they they just get in their own head what what's a healthy way to become a better decision maker uh, you know this is where i think it the benefit of having people who aren't like you on a team or in your family or whatever is so helpful because you can go to the the ready fire aim people and go hey i'm struggling to make a decision here can you help me mm-hmm. and then sometimes i think even if you don't make the decision they make sometimes just hearing the option you kind of go well, no, this is what I want to do. And it either like reassures you or you just do the decision they say and you're like, fine, I'm not a good decision maker. So someone else is going to just do it for me. I also think, you know, there are there are experts on decision making. Right. Mm. Some of it is just like, okay, what's the next right thing I need to do in this moment? I'm going to do that. And some of it is I've read before. You have to give yourself a timeline. So like you don't have three weeks to make the decision. You right. have three days. And then you just live with it. And like that's almost a practice for people who have a hard time making a decision. But I do think it's actually really wise to to think through the different scenarios. Yeah. There is a middle ground for sure. Yeah, to get opinions. But if it like if it takes you to that analysis paralysis place, then obviously especially if you're like in a leadership position, that's kind of tricky. Yeah, I'm what less at do? this. Well, I'm less at this part now than I used to be. Yeah. Like the same way you said your husband is less ready fire aim. Right. I really like the build the airplane as you're flying. <laughs> I think we get older and we get more towards the middle. Like we figure this out. <clears throat> it's true. The biggest impediment when I know I'm doing badly as a leader making decisions, my biggest impediment is not thinking what's the best decision, but it's when I find myself thinking, how will people react to this decision? Yeah, that's hard. We should yeah. care about that, but that should not be. And when I'm at my worst spot as a leader, mm-hmm. the number one thing I start asking mm-hmm. myself is, what, what will that people? person? And that becomes per- paralyzing because I you're going, well, you. Yeah. you know what's best is not to change anything, not wow. to move the ball forward. Where somebody like your husband, I think he's like, we just have to do this. Like, right. this is what we need to yep. do. And, yep. uh, and so anyway, I think it's helpful for people to go, who can I bounce these things off of? I've grown by having people in my life, like you said, that I'll text and go, mm-hmm. hey, let me give you a call and, and talk this through. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that conversation, they will say to me, you should do this. It doesn't mean I'll do it, right. but it's like. Okay. I like having an advisor is helpful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like advising people. I just don't like the pressure of being the one that <laughs> pulled the trigger. <laughs> and uh, I will be back again on Monday on Martin Luther King Day from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.